Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Ellen Leonard. Ellen is a speaker, stress management consultant and coach, and expert who teaches and coaches business leaders, teams, and entire organizations how to manage and prevent stress. Ellen's professional background and expertise includes 12 years as a published scientific researcher, nine years as an award-winning university instructor, and nine years leading the stress-less method. She has a master's degree in adult education, is a national board-certified health and wellness coach, and a well-coaches professional health and wellness coach. She's helped thousands of students and clients transform their life and health by learning how to manage their stress in a way that works for them. In the episode, Ellen shares common misconceptions about stress, how to manage it without meditation, key questions that'll help get to the root of your stressors, and more. But before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, Dry Farm Wines. Did you know that alcohol manufacturers aren't required to post ingredients or nutrition facts on their bottles? That's how they're able to sneak sugar and other additives into their products. Fortunately, Dry Farm Wines has come up with a solution. Their natural wines are lab-tested to ensure they're sugar-free, lower in sulfites and alcohol, and also free from other industrial additives. Since I've grown accustomed to drinking natural wine, even the top-rated, expensive, conventional wines give me headaches and make me feel just kind of gross. If you've never tried Dry Farm Wines, you're going to be immediately hooked by the flavor and quality of their products, as well as their top-notch customer service. To get a bottle of Dry Farm Wines for just a penny, visit dryfarmwines.com slash the health investment or click through the link in the show notes. All right, it's time to hear from Ellen. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Ellen, thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to finally connect with you. I, I know, me too. Uh, can you start by telling us a bit about your background and specifically what led you want to help people manage stress? Yeah, so a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I was a... Well, I was always a Star Wars fan. Anyway, I was a huge nerd and I was a scientific researcher. And then one day I was like, oh, you mean I can do anything I want? Like it had literally never occurred to me in all my years of school and 12 years of, of doing hardcore research and publishing papers. And then I was like, oh, well, what else is there? And so I started exploring health and wellness. And as I gained more tools, I began to notice that nobody else seemed to have these very basic tools for health and wellness let alone stress management. And I was going through um, taking care of my mother while she was uh, passing away from cancer. And it was such a stressful time. And I was so grateful 
to have all of these tools, right? All of these things that are so second nature to me because of the work I was doing and the kinds of things that I was learning and the advanced certifications and courses and I got a master's degree and all these things that I was doing and nobody else seemed to have them. And I would not have made it through that time period sane without the things that I was doing to take care of myself. And I was like, oh my gosh, everybody has to know this stuff. Like <laughs> I have to tell everyone, <laughs> like how do you yeah. not know it? And so that's how I got into, I, I focused it on stress management. I was like, it's, it's crazy to me that people don't know these things um, when they're so simple and, and you could take action right now today, which of course we'll get into, but yeah, that's, that's a brief summary of how, of how I got to where I am right now. Wow. You said the word management. Um, so can we really manage stress? Is that the right way to look about it or to look at it? Or is it more about building resilience? I mean, how do you go about this? Yeah. So I like to take like a multifaceted approach. Um, so yeah, I want to manage my stress, but I also want to work to, um, of course, build resilience, but then also to avoid stress. Like what are the things <laughs> that I don't, that I don't have to deal with or that I can postpone or, you know, it, there's just so many different ways to deal with stress. And I also think that, that resilience, I don't like the idea that we have to suffer to then be able to manage our stress, right? Because there's certainly ways to to build resilience in our life that don't involve suffering. But one of the main ways is to go through something traumatic where mm. sort of the great example would be my mother being sick, right? Like that was an incredibly traumatic year. And I certainly built resilience through that experience. But, um, and, and that currently helps me manage stress. But yeah, so I, you know, I'm a big fan of resilience and I'm a big fan of, of managing stress proactively, of building things into my life that help to prevent stress and then of avoiding things that I know stress me out. So for example, I no longer have any social media because it stresses me out. I got rid of it all. <laughs> like, well, I have LinkedIn, but LinkedIn does not stress me out. But yeah. like Facebook and Instagram, they were, were stressing me out. And I was like, oh, yeah. I can just avoid that stress. I just deleted them. Like didn't even mm -hmm. like off my phone, like uh, my profiles are completely gone off of all those apps. They're just gone. How could you tell that they were stressing you out? Yeah. So that's actually part of the stress loss method, which is one of the things that um, the company that I founded and the, the process that I developed was a five-step process. And the, the first one is awareness. So often I've worked, you know, I've helped thousands of people over the years and one of the things I've noticed is people often don't realize when they're stressed, how it's affecting them and what specifically is causing it. And so I spend a lot of time with clients and, and groups when I work with them on, on zeroing in on those, because often, for example, you might not be sleeping and it might be related to stress. You might have chronic back and neck pain and that might be related to stress and really learning about how stress is impacting you and cultivating that awareness is an incredibly powerful stress management tool in and of itself. Hmm. 
Okay, so awareness, you mentioned physical pain or not sleeping. Are those two of the biggest signs of stress or are there others as well? Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, so it's so individual. So I like to break it down into three different categories, physical, um, emotional, and mental. Okay, so physical things are like sleep loss, um, digestion issues of <laughs> like your heart racing or like mm. weird sweating. Like if your palms get sweaty <laughs> not to get too personal, um, yeah. and things like that, or like pain in your back or grinding your teeth, headaches. Those are some really common physical things that might be related to stress. Mental are things like memory issues, like forgetting things or, you know, kind of having that foggy brain, um, and, and all sorts of things like that. And emotional are, you know, when we're stressed, we're less able to regulate our emotions. So people will notice that they're, they're a little more quick to anger with their loved ones or, or their employees than, than they normally are when they're stressed or they're processing things a little bit differently. Um, a little bit more anxiety, more depression, things like that can pop up and be related to stress. Mm. So then once you are aware, let's say I'm not sleeping well and I have chronic neck pain, how can you connect exactly what stressors are leading to that physical or mental or emotional stress that you're feeling in your body? Oh, yes. Awesome. Perfect question. Because often when people experience stress, they think of it as this like ubiquitous thing. So they'll say something like, oh, work is just so stressful or being a mom is just so stressful. And that doesn't give you anything that's actionable, right? Like there's no specificity to that. And that's not a judgment. We all do that. We'll all just be like, oh, I'm just so stressed today. Uh, but adding specificity to it is an incredibly powerful tool that can really help you zero in. So for example, it's not necessarily work that stresses you out. Maybe it's one specific client or for me, when I was doing, uh, uh, when I had social media as an aspect of the work that I was doing as an entrepreneur and a business owner, that I really zeroed in on that. And I was like, Ooh, that is stressing me out. And it, and I worked really hard to mitigate that before I decided to delete it. <laughs> so I, I did take some time to zero in on well, what was bothering me and why was it bothering me? And I asked those really questions until I got down to what specifically was really getting to me about that. And then once you start to see that, you can start to take action. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think that's a really great point of getting very specific instead of making this blanket statement. Because if it's this blanket statement of just work stresses me out, then maybe you'd start to look for new work. <laughs> Whereas yeah. really, it wasn't all of your work that stressed <laughs> you out. It was social media. So you can just attack that one thing rather than let me find an entirely new job. Yeah. And that is such an excellent point. And so, you know, part of my job is I go into businesses and help the employees learn how to manage stress. And I encounter this all the time where employees are like, oh, my job's just so stressful. I, I just want to leave. And we get down to talking about it. And so often, it's things that can be changed or they can change how this one manager interacts with them, or they just needed more clarity on a project, or they didn't like the project that they were on and fixing that one thing, realizing that that's what's adding the stress. That's what the big stressor is. 
and fixing that is an incredibly powerful stress management tool because people think that stress management is just, you know, kind of meditating or, you know, things like that, yoga. And it's so much more active than that. And it's so much more involved than that. It, it's taking action in your life to mitigate that stress because I think a lot of times people feel like they have no choice. Mm. Like uh, some of the misconceptions I encounter about stress are like, oh, well, this is just the way it is. It's always been this way. Everybody experiences stress, kind of mindsets like that. And that, that, does a, a, that does us a disservice because then you don't take action on it. You just kind of like, <laughs> like just kind of experience it instead of being like, oh, I can change that. That's something I can do something about. Or the action you take, it seems, is just kind of a Band-Aid approach of, I'll just have a hot bath tonight and I'll feel better momentarily, but then it's all going to come rushing back tomorrow and then I'll have another hot bath. I mean, you're not really getting to the crux of the issue. You're just going for a run or something, which could help short term and could be great for you, but you're not getting rid of the stressor. Yeah. You're not really dealing with the root cause. And I do want to say for listeners that everything Brooke just listed is an awesome stress management tool. And those are things that I do regularly and I incorporate them in my life on a regular basis as like a preventative measure, right? Like those are things Mm -hmm. that, well, I mean, bathing in general is good, but like a long bath, (laughs) a long bath is certainly a nice way to kind of like take that time for yourself and build that into your week runs. Any kind of exercise is a great way to build that into your week. But yeah, looking at the root cause, what are the, what are the things that are really impacting me? And, and how can I make even small shifts? You know, um, I was helping a client who um, may or may not have a mother in law situation (laughs) that they are dealing with. And she was just so frustrated and overwhelmed by it. And you know, because you can't really get rid of your mother in law, like that's as you, you keep you keep the husband and you have to keep mother-in-law too. That's apparently the way that it works. And so, I mean, based on what I've seen in movies and stuff like that, yeah, so right, you have to right. do, but you know, she started to think about what it was that was really stressing her out about this relationship. And now she doesn't answer the phone when her mother-in-law calls, she takes her time and calls her back when it's convenient for her. And that is all she did. And it totally managed her stress about the situation. It was just this small, small shift. <laughs> like she didn't have to blow up her relationship. She didn't even have to talk to her. She realized that what was what was really bothering her was this interruption and, and having to stop what she was doing and have these discussions with this woman. And she wasn't enjoying that. And then when she made it on her terms and set that small boundary, that was an incredibly powerful tool. And so things like, you know, for example, like, oh, I only check my emails from eight to nine in the morning and one to two in the afternoon, or, oh, I only accept meetings after 3 p.m. You know, there, there are all these small boundaries that we can set in our life that can turn out to be a really powerful stress management tool, even when we feel like we have no control or we have limited control over things at work, for example. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Because I'm sure, you know, if you say email stresses me out, I want to get rid of email. (laughs) That's that's probably not. I mean, social media is a different thing, maybe. 
But if, especially if you own your own company, you can kind of navigate what you get rid of or what you keep. But if you work for a company, yeah, then certain things you're going to have to deal with. But putting that parameter around it of I'm going to do it only in certain time blocks during the day, or especially I'm sure cutting it off at a certain time at night yes. can be really helpful. Yeah. And I've been working with so many clients um, since that the start of COVID with, with creating those boundaries with, well, nope, after 6 p.m., I don't respond to every, anything and I'll be back on again at 9 a.m. tomorrow. And, and they set those boundaries and have those expectations. Um, and it, it works especially well when, when leadership is doing it, when leadership mm-hmm. is like managers and, of teams and stuff. When, when they're demonstrating that behavior, then everybody else kind of relaxes um, into right. that. Right. I was talking to, I can't remember actually exactly which conversation it was, but somebody last week on an interview, I don't even think the episode's out yet at this time of recording, um, but they were saying something similar of, it's really helpful when it comes from management uh, because as an employee, you can only do so much in terms of your boundaries, or I guess you could speak with the higher ups and say, you know, for me, I really need to cut myself off at this time because I'm going to be able to show up better the next day if I'm not responding to emails at all hours of the night. But I think, I think that still can be stressful if you check your mail and then you have something from your boss, you feel like you feel compelled to answer it right away. So do you advise that people just kind of take their email off their phone if they can? Or, I mean, how do you resist that urge to check your email Honestly, yeah, no, I was going to say it's just practice. It's building a habit and it's hard. It's really hard to, to break these habits where we feel, because, you know, at the core of that is, is people really want to be good at their jobs. I, I, you know, I've worked with, with thousands of clients and every time I'm in a company, when people are struggling and when, when stress is being experienced, almost every time the core of it is, I want to be good at my job. And something's getting in the way of me doing that. And so when people are wanting, like they want to respond, they want to show up. And so it's really hard to resist that. And um, yeah, so I just, practice makes perfect. I struggle with it too. I, I struggle with, with not, last week I was on vacation and um, Brooke had sent me an email about this recording and I wanted to send her an email back like, hey, I'm on vacation. I'm going to respond later. But I didn't. I resisted. And Brooke, I'm not even kidding. I thought about it every day. Oh, really? Like, I was like, oh, yeah. But I wanted to make that line for myself. Like, I'm on vacation. I'm not responding to any emails. Um, And of course, I didn't set up my automated reply like a dummy. But um, (laughs) but then I was like, oh, well, it's too late. But yeah, it was it was a really interesting practice for me and a check in with like, okay, well, I'm sure Brooke's fine with me not responding. But I felt compelled. And so it was a practice for myself. And there were several other emails last week that I felt like, oh, I should really reply to that. And it turns out they were, it was all fine to wait until Monday morning to just sit down and reply to all my emails. Well, yeah, that's very funny because I sent you the email and a lot of guests actually, for those listening, I send an email with um, the recording link. And then I say, here are some potential questions I would love to ask. Um, and then I ask for your bio and headshot 
And I have some guests who don't respond ever. So I'm very used to just not getting a response. And then when we hop on to record, uh, they've probably taken a look at it, but they either forgot to respond or just didn't. And then I may have to verbally request that they send me their bio and headshot. And they say, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, I forgot. I'll do that right after we record. So that's funny because I was I don't really even expect a reply. So it's interesting from because I do this to myself, too. I have all of these things that I put on myself in terms of expectations or how the other person will feel Mm -hmm. or react. And then you responded graciously and said, hey, I was on vacation. Sorry to get back to you sooner. And I think I said something like, oh, I hope you had a great vacation. That's exactly what you said. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, totally fine. Don't even worry about it. And I was just happy to get a response at all before we hopped on this (laughs) recording. So I didn't care at all that you hadn't sent it even within two or three days. Um, And this is which is funny because we put that stress on ourselves a lot of the time. Yeah, I was gonna say this is such a great example of the kind of stress that we put on ourselves where we (laughs) we make up stories. You know, my favorite version of this, I was listening to um, Oprah interview Brene Brown, right? Two really famous women, right? Yeah. And she was talking about how they had finished talking to each other. And she had said something to Oprah and Oprah hadn't responded. And so in Brene's head, she'd made up this whole story about how Oprah was mad at her. (laughs) And so she's telling this to Oprah in the interview. And Oprah's like, I have no idea what we're talking about. I didn't even (laughs) know that happened. And I was definitely not mad at you. And then Brene used it as an example, like I'm doing now, of how we can make up these stories to add so much stress uh, to our lives, Um, the circular thinking um, and it's just such an interesting thing, especially women, um, high achieving women, especially do this. Like, uh, they, they decide something when a certain way, when it might not even be remotely true. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting thing that we do to ourselves and it definitely, definitely adds stress. (laughs) Well, and it's hard to talk yourself out of it. I mean, I think looking at this now in hindsight of a situation, or we can have a good laugh about it, but Mm -hmm. in the moment, if you have this story, even if rationally, you know, it's probably not true. It's hard to talk yourself out of it while it's happening to you. Yeah. And there's actually a technique for that. Karen Rivich, um, she's at the University of Pennsylvania. She has uh, some techniques called real-time resilience, where yeah. you can break these kinds of, uh, she has a name for the kinds of thoughts that we're describing that's escaping me, of course, right now. Um, it's, but there, there's there's a name for these thoughts. But the real time resilience things are are really interesting. So um, one thing to do is to say to yourself, a more helpful way to think about this is, right? Yeah. So about the situation, um, or if you're in a really circular thing where you're trying to figure something out, um, you can do an if then scenario and write out all the if thens. So like, if Brooke is mad at me, then I will say this. And if, if she's not mad at me, then this will happen. And if she says this, then I will do that. Um, and, and they're really useful strategies. They sound very simple, but they're very useful dis- for disrupting that circular thinking where, where you've gotten into your head. Hmm, I love that. I love all any little actionable tool that I can put to use and that listeners can as well. So those are great. You mentioned high achieving women having maybe more of these stories or more stress even. 
Um, is it true that just kind of any high achiever or any person who's type A, I'm thinking of myself, <laughs> has the propensity to get more stressed out than others? Or does everybody kind of experience the same amount of stress? Yeah, I think that everybody experiences stress differently. Um, so for example, something that stresses me out might not stress you out at all. And then the way it impacts us might be very different. So let's uh, take something like being on a podcast, for example, that does not stress me out, but let's say that it did, but it doesn't stress you out because, you know, you're you're hosting it. Um, <laughs> well, hopefully it doesn't. I guess I should ask, Brooke. Does, yeah, that'd does, be really bad. <laughs> okay, so it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> it did stress me out. I would say at first it stressed me out because I, I mean, first of all, the exercise and listening to your own voice is really special just to edit yourself and listen over and over. And so the first few episodes I did, I was just doing solo episodes and I was re-recording them tons of times. And I remember my husband saying, I don't know if this is really a sustainable approach. <laughs> just in the nicest way. He was like, you know, if you're going to record it again, this probably is going to become a lot. <laughs> you're doing this for every episode. So I mean, I don't know. I have little mantras that help me. Like I tell myself all the time, done is better than perfect. Yes. And I think that eliminates a lot of my stress right there. But anyway, going back to your example. So if somebody is stressed by a podcast. Yeah. So, so we would, we would approach that differently, right? So let's say it doesn't stress you out, but it totally stresses me out. So already we're experiencing stress differently. But then let's say that it stresses me out in a way that um, I get a headache or I start talking really fast. But when you experiencing stress for, say, a presentation, it um, makes it so that you're, you're not able to focus as well or you get really angry really easily. It's very, very individual. And I think that's something that's often overlooked in stress management strategies and, and kind of the, the general wellness outlook on stress is how individual stress really is in not only what stresses us out, but how we cope with it, what works for us and how it impacts us. Um, because it's so individual. Mm -hmm. When you go into a company, since it is so individual, how do you work with people like, are there other tools and things that you could kind of share with us today and strategies that people can adopt for themselves? Oh, yeah. So I always talk, I always start off by talking about things like, okay, so everybody experiences stress. A lot of people um, think that they're alone in that. Hmm. They think that they're the only ones that are stressed about something. And then I talk about how individual it is, because oftentimes managers um, get frustrated with employees. Uh, leaders get frustrated with their their teams because something is adding stress to their lives that they just don't understand why that's adding stress because it doesn't bother them. And so as soon as people start to see it in a different perspective, it's almost as if it's a strengths and weaknesses kind of outlook, like using via signature strengths or another tool like that, where you're, you're viewing the stress as something that's unique to the individual. So say you have uh, team member A and team member B and team member A loves to prevent, present and team member B hates it. Well, maybe you make some adjustments and, and A is the one that's, that's presenting most of the time and, and B has some other tasks to do. It's, it's simple things like that that could really make huge differences for people. But my top three uh, 
recommendations for managing stress are really super simple. Um, and they, they have to do with meeting basic needs. So often, especially in the workplace, um, basic human needs are kind of like overlooked in favor of, of productivity and achievement, which, which is good sometimes, right? Like, you know, that's how we come together to accomplish really big projects and help clients and stuff like that. And, and stress has its place. But the, the basic needs I'm talking about are um, my number one recommendation for people is uh, move. I used to say exercise, but people are like, I, you know, every time I hear exercise, I just get annoyed at people. I'm like, I don't want to exercise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not like, she's trying to get me to run or go to the gym or something. Yeah, you picture the yeah. elliptical at the gym. It's like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. But so, you know, just any kind of movement, playing with your kids, walking your dog, that is an, an incredibly powerful stress management tool. The next thing I recommend is sleep. People need to be sleeping. Sleep is really important. It's so good for you. It's so important. You just had an episode about it, mm-hmm. right? What episode yeah, was I've had that? Lots of episodes. You have. I love sleeping. <laughs> it's so I good. I always for you. talk about sleep. Yeah. Are you talking about the one with Diane Macedo? I think so. Who, yeah. Yeah. She has a new book. Everybody should find that one. I'll link it in the show notes once I remember what number it was. But she also does a really cool kind of breakdown of there's all these things that you've learned about sleep. And then the more you try to hack your sleep, you might actually stress yourself out about sleeping, (laughs) which is counterintuitive. Um, So it goes hand in hand with, uh, or counterproductive, I should say. It goes hand in hand with this episode. So I'll link that for sure. Um, But yeah, sleep. Okay. Move, sleep. Yeah. And, you know, just thinking about sleep for a moment, like, yeah, of course there are times when you're not going to sleep, like the late night you have to stay up for a project. Uh, to complete it, like, or the team staying late to work on something, or you have uh, little kids. Um, But for the most part, sleep is just an incredibly powerful stress management tool that is often overlooked, right? Getting enough sleep is so powerful. And then the third one is eating at regular human intervals. I cannot tell you the number of times I've gone into businesses where the culture favors skipping lunch, Mm. And when we work on that one small piece where leadership is like, oh, yeah, I'm blocking off my calendar from 12 to 1 and I'm taking that break and I'm eating food. It shifts things in ways you cannot even imagine. It's always so funny to me. It's like, well, because people need food, it turns out. They don't function very well when they're they're hungry. And I know everybody's different. And this is certainly not accounting for different dietary needs and, and all of that stuff. But for the most part, Humans function better when they've been fed. Um, so I'm just always, those are, those are always my top three. Like, and, and to take it out of the, the workplace, having meals at regular intervals is an incredibly powerful stress management tool in general. So for example, in our house, um, we eat at the same time every day basically no matter what. It, it takes a lot to interrupt that for our family. And then um, same with sleep. We're going to bed at the same time every night. Or we're waking up at the same time every morning. And those are things that we've simply integrated into our life as a stress management tool, like a way of preventing stress before it even happens. Like I, when I don't sleep or when I don't eat or <laughs> when I'm not exercising regularly, everybody in the house suffers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all suffer my wrath. It's not, it's not good. And it, it definitely right. impacts my work, of course. Hey there, health investor. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Just popping in here for a quick minute to share an exciting opportunity with you. 
Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in sustainable weight loss. If you've been struggling to lose weight and actually keep it off, I'd love to connect with you in my group or one-on-one coaching program. Unlike restrictive, hard-to-follow diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed habits and an everything-in-moderation mindset so that you can lose weight permanently, feel completely in control of your cravings, have steady energy throughout the day, and stick with healthy habits long-term. To learn more about my coaching programs and apply to work with me, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram at The Health Investment. Now, back to the episode. Well, and when you speak of this kind of rhythmic nature of your lifestyle, it makes sense if you kind of know what to expect yeah. each day. I, I was a teacher for 12 years, and my biggest classroom management strategy was just tell the kids what's going to happen in the next hour. I taught high school, so... I would say, you know, they'd sit down and every class I would start out by saying, okay, first we're going to do this for about five minutes. Then we're going to do this for about 10 minutes. Then we're going to do this next thing. That's going to take about 20 minutes, but they knew the breakdown of the hour coming up. And it was miraculous because they didn't have to sit there and wonder oh my gosh, how much longer are we going to do this thing? I hate this thing. I wish we were doing something else. And that's where a lot of classroom management issues come from is kids get really fidgety and bored and they don't know what to expect. And so if you just have, I mean, some days we would do different things, but at least they would know what's coming up. But they talk about that too with kids. If you have this kind of rhythm and they know what to expect, then that eliminates 85% of your behavior problems because you've kind of talked to them like a human and you, you say, look, I know this part where I'm teaching you this lesson is going to be a little bit boring, but it's going to be about 10 minutes. And then I'm going to set you free into group work and you're going to be able to talk with people and use the skill. And then poof, they just sit there and they listen for 10 minutes because they know it's not going to be 60 minutes. Um, But that's what I was thinking of when you were talking about this rhythm to your day of, you know, I wake up and then I'm going to do this at around this time and I'm going to have this meal. And then later in the night, I'm going to go for a walk and then I'm going to have this meal. You just kind of know what to expect. Yeah. And these these habits really translate into creating, you know, a lifestyle that does help to reduce stress. And just like you described, like creating Uh, an environment in which your body and your mind and your emotions pretty much know what's going to happen. It, it prepares you for the bumps in the road, the unexpected Mm -hmm. things. Um, You know, when something goes wrong, I'm better able to handle it because I am well rested and because I am fed and because I, you know, I've taken time to set up into my life, the things that, that help me to really manage my stress. Um, and, and I think that's so important, especially in the workplace and for people who are w- working, you know, what can you put into place that will help you be more successful? And, and that is an incredibly powerful stress management tool. If you know you're going to need a snack at 2 p.m. every day, then being ready for that, not being surprised by that, you know what you need. And providing yourself with the, those basic needs is just so powerful. I'm also 
thinking when people were working in offices more and there was less remote work from home, maybe there was more structure built into the day, but then COVID happens, everybody's working from home, your entire schedule is dysregulated and probably not a lot of people realize the importance of these routines as you're talking about and kind of setting up your day with a framework so that you have this kind of overarching plan and you can deal with stressors more. So is that a tip you have? Like if you're working from home, kind of think about how you can structure your day so that you know what to expect. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When you're working from home, not only structuring your day um, in a way that really works for you, but I, I, when I work with clients on that, I ask them to think about what tasks they can do best at certain times of the day too. Right. So for example, I'm much better at um, the hardest work that I do, like uh, writing copy or like planning or doing things like that, that really require a lot of, of deep thinking. Um, I do that in, in the mornings. That's when my brain is best for that. But Mm -hmm. anything that I have to do that's talking, like whether I'm leading a workshop or working uh, with a one-on-one stress management client, um, that happens in the afternoon because that's when I'm best at that. And so I structured my day very specifically to meet my needs and how I function at my best. And I think all of us kind of know like what tasks were kind of, you know, of course they're unpredictable parts of our, our work days, of course, but we, we know what tasks are going to get done best at what times. And, and as much as we can adjust that, that is not only good for our productivity and, and achieving our goals, but is also a good stress management tool as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I know owning my own business. At first, I was just kind of frazzled, kind of doing everything <laughs> every day. And it was hectic and awful. And then I learned about batch working and doing certain things on different days And so now I have this rhythm to my week where I do podcast interviews on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I typically don't do any calls of any type on Mondays and have that as just kind of dive into work and kind of get reorganized day. And it's just been amazing to just know what's, I, again, talking about kids, I mean, we're not that different from kids. And I always (laughs) think about that, right? We're still humans, just like kids. And so if we apply some of the stuff we do with kids to set them up for success, like putting them to bed early or having a nighttime routine or these different things that work for kids can work for us. But similarly, if I know going into my week, here's the general structure and I know what to expect, my week is a hundred times smoother. I agree. And I actually look at my week. I, I am a little bit of a, a planner. I have, a, mm-hmm. have you ever heard of passion planner? Oh my gosh. No. Oh yeah. Everybody Google passion planner. I, I like a, a written planner. I may okay, yeah. or may not have an extensive collection of markers and highlighters and love it. maybe stickers, but let's not talk about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when I look at my week, I actually do uh, meal prepping for the week as well mm-hmm. <laughs> because food is so important to me. And I know that I will not function well without it. And so I look at my week. I'm like, okay, on this day, I'm going to be able to do this. Nope. On this day, that meal needs to be ready to go. And and I get pretty deep into really setting myself up for success about what needs to happen when, um, 
what days I, you know, maybe have time for a more vigorous workout and what days I could just do a little yoga, what, you know, like I, I think about these things and I put them in my planner uh, so that they're just ready to go. Mm -hmm. As you're talking through all of these things, kind of a thread I see running through it is self-awareness. And, you know, you have to be self-aware of what are the stressors? Like, do you need to set a boundary with phone calls with your mother-in-law? Or do you, are you self-aware enough to realize if you don't meal plan, the meals don't happen? Or if you don't put the exercise into your calendar, like for me, that it doesn't happen, you know, what do you need to schedule? What kind of happens organically for you? Every person is different, but you have to really sit down and understand what works for you and then monopolize on your strengths. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and for those of you that are listening, you might feel a little overwhelmed with, with all the different advice we've been discussing on this call. I would ask that you just ask yourself, what is the thing that's adding the most stress to your life right now? Like, what is the one thing we all have something and it just popped into your head, you're listening and you're like, Oh, yeah, that's what it is. It's this. And just take a moment with that. Think about okay, what specifically is bothering me about that? Like, why is that adding stress to my life? And then, okay, how might that be affecting me? Since it started since whatever this is has happened, you know, am I experiencing more pain in my neck and back? Or am I having headaches or not sleeping or quicker to anger or having trouble focusing? Like, what's the impact it's having on my life? Okay. And so what can I actually do about it? I have an exercise I do with clients um, called control versus no control, where we take a situation and we break it into aspects of things that are totally beyond your control, right? You have no control over them. <laughs> things like, like, so in the mother-in-law example, I, you can't control when she's calling. <laughs> you can't control who your mother-in-law is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you want to stay married to your husband, she's still in your life. Those things are beyond your control. And then right. things that might be within your realm of control are, okay, well, how am I going to engage with her? What do I want that to look like? Where can I set healthy boundaries? What actions can I take specifically? And, and sometimes it might be like, okay, well, there's not a lot I can do there. But okay, so how can I set myself up for whatever that experience is being the best version possible. Is it making sure that um, I eat before I go over to her house? If she's not a great cook, is it making sure that um, I have an out if um, I'm on the phone with her? Is it like, what is it that I can do that is within my control? Because it can be just be so overwhelming. There's so much in this world that we can't control. When you look at a specific stressful situation yeah. and you really figure out what it is specifically, and then you break it down into, okay, well, there's certain parts of that, that I have no role to play. And it can give you a moment to let go of your stress around that. When you realize you have no control over these things and it might only last for a moment, but it's, it's definitely worth the, the rational brain checking in with, okay, well, I can't do anything about that, but what can I do something about? Oh, spoiler alert. That does not work in the moment when you're experiencing the stress. <laughs> that works. More of a re reflective tool. Yes, that is more of a reflective tool. If you're trying to do that in the moment that you're experiencing stress, more than likely it's going to stress <laughs> you out more. <laughs> hmm. I just truly appreciate your kind of action-based approach to this because I find the term 
self-care just kind of triggering at this point because (laughs) it's really important, right? But it's kind of like the word exercise, like you said, that we have this whole host now of visuals that go along with this. So maybe for exercise, it is the elliptical at the gym or just the gym in general. And you don't even have to have a gym membership to move your body. And so just get that out of your mind. You know, if that's what's keeping you from moving, that's not a prerequisite. Same thing with self-care. You probably picture the massage or the meditation or the bubble bath. And like you said, all those things can be great. But a lot of times I think stress is just talked about in a way where it's these little band-aids and we're never getting to the root of the issue and we're never doing this deeper work that you've discussed. And so I just, I really appreciate that kind of holistic approach that you've shared. Yeah, and thank you. And I think it's just also important for people not to be looking for the answer because there is no one answer. Like oftentimes like mindfulness or meditation or these things are are almost like packaged and sold as the answer. They're awesome. They're useful, but they might just be not for you or they might just be for this one specific stressor that you experience. It's mm-hmm. entirely up to you. It's so important to really do that that self-reflection and and determine what actually works for you and what doesn't and just leave the rest. That's exactly what I talk about with clients who I coach on nutrition and weight loss primarily. And it's the same idea where there's something that worked for your friend's cousin and they can't <laughs> stop talking about it. And they say, everybody has to do keto or everybody has to skip breakfast or whatever it is. And then you try it and then you fail on it, fail at it. And then you think there's something wrong with you, but there's not. It's just, that's not the thing that works for you, which doesn't mean that nothing will work. It's just, you have to figure out with your unique likes, dislikes, time constraints, culture, your unique lifestyle, what works for you. And it seems that the same goes for stress management. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's exactly it. Awesome. Well, a final question I ask each of my guests is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Yeah, so I think it's everything. I I think the health investment is is the key to everything, like creating a healthy lifestyle that actually works for you. And I'm not talking about like eating kale all the time or mm-hmm. I, uh, smoothies, or I don't even know what, what people envision when they think about health. I think you have to define health for yourself and really invest in that because that's the only way that it's going to happen. And I think of it personally as having a team like that's for my health. So like, of course, on my health team are like, I like I have a dentist, and I have like a doctor, uh, but I also have a health coach. I have a business coach. I have um, a massage therapist. I, you know, I have these resources that I have a yoga instructor. I use these resources to invest in my health actively um, and, and have a team of people who are experts in things that, so that I don't have to be. Mm. Love that. Love the team aspect. I don't think anybody's ever given that type of approach, but I, I like it. I like it. (laughs) Well, Uh, I can't do it alone. Yeah. Well, and I think (laughs) I need help. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's good to admit and talk about that it takes a team. Yeah, it really does. I mean, even as somebody who is an expert in this one specific thing, I I know that I can't do it alone. And I want that help. Um, I, you know, I I also have a therapist, of course, I want that help. I need experts in things that I'm not experts in. 
Right. Yeah. Well, where can listeners follow and find you and learn more about you? Yeah. So you can find me on my website, ellen-leonard.com. That's www.ellen-leonard.com. And I've given Brooke a uh, link uh, specifically to link to that will bring you to some additional resources um, that we discussed on the podcast today. Oh, awesome. Great. Yeah, I will put links to that in the show notes. And you mentioned LinkedIn as well, right? But no other social media. <laughs> yeah, I'm just on LinkedIn. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'm sure a lot of listeners are as well. So they could connect with you. There. Yeah, but I work with uh, people one-on-one doing um, stress management coaching. So I have a three and six month program for people who just really want to get things handled. But then I also go into businesses and do like an hour long workshop or a day long workshop or my most popular things um, with doing with teams or entire businesses to, to really start to get stress handled. Awesome. I love that. Well, thank you so much again for being here. Like I said, I really love your approach. I knew this was going to be a great conversation, but it really exceeded my expectations. So really appreciate you, Ellen. And I look forward to staying connected on LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You too, Brooke. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.